and welcome to Ancient Aliens is Bullshit, discussing episode 5 of season 15, The Mystery of the Stone Giants. I'm Chrissy DeClerc-Zalagi, historian and adjunct professor. Before we get into the episode, I'd like to thank you listeners. I know that in the past I've been inconsistent with getting these shows up, but since my teaching load has reduced, I have more time to bring you more Ancient Aliens debunking and other History with the Zalagi's content. Of course, since I'm teaching less, that means I need your support all the more. So, if you enjoy hearing me talk about history, please go over to our Patreon page and support this work for as little as $2 a month. This episode looks at megaliths produced by ancient cultures and argues that they serve another purpose, as data storage for extraterrestrial visitors. We begin with a discussion of the Abu Simbel Temple in Egypt, which has massive statues of Amun, Rahurkadi, and Ramses II. This temple is situated in such a way that it allows the sun to illuminate these statues on specific dates, in particular the 22nd of February and the 22nd of October, not quite the solstices. This is a common feature in many ancient temples, as worship often revolved around aspects of nature, particularly the sun and the moon. This is not, of course, the explanation given by our ancient alien theorists. William Henry says that the statues act as a, quote, mechanism for drawing down cosmic energies that can be emitted to the surrounding area. End quote. This makes it sound like it's some kind of giant wireless battery. He then asks if it served a religious or technological purpose. I can answer that. It was religious. This story is then used to introduce megaliths and other societies, and a claim from David Childress that the people who produced these statues perceive them as being alive. To use the example of the Greeks and Romans, the statuary was revered as an image of the god or gods and a means to communicate with them. Offerings for these gods were left near these statues but no one thought that the offerings were actually being consumed by the statues. William Henry then invokes the Easter Island statues, saying that they were used as, quote, a conductive mechanism for drawing down manna, a spiritual power, end quote. This is not inconsistent with the archaeological and historical interpretations, except for the fact that Henry seems to be taking this literally. This is a common problem for ancient alien theorists, as their ideology is based on interpreting ancient texts in a literal manner. The viewer is then told that, quote, stone is not as lifeless as it may appear. A person identified as a geologist, Jeff Williams, says that stones and people are made of the same thing, matter. Before commenting on what he said, I have to take a moment to point out that, despite being identified as a geologist, Mr. Williams does not appear to be anything more than a geology hobbyist who uses his basic knowledge of the science to run a how-to-find-gold website. Back to what he said. There's no disputing that both rocks and people are made of matter, as literally everything that is not some kind of energy is made of matter. And without a doubt, everything on Earth, and in the cosmos for that matter, is made up of the elements found on the periodic table, so I can give him that too. Then he goes on to explain that all matter vibrates and has energy. Again, when looking at things at an atomic level, this is true, but I'm quite sure that's not how he means it. He next says that most stones have a weak magnetic field, which is true of stones that contain magnetic elements, but not all stones. He also says that certain stones act as conductors of energy, which is demonstrably true in the copper and aluminum wiring that conducts electricity from the power plant and in the gold and silver used in our computers and phones. These are examples of one of the things that makes ancient aliens so dangerous. They present information that has elements of truth and then twist that information to unreasonable conclusions. The viewer is then introduced to the idea that quartz is a good means of storing immense amounts of data for an extended period of time. This is genuine research that has been conducted for about a decade, and it is primarily being used for major archives and so is not widely available. 
The voiceover follows this up by saying that granite is the stone that conducts energy most efficiently because of the high amount of quartz in it. This is simply untrue. Neither granite nor quartz are good conductors of electrical energy. In fact, quartz is often used in electronics for this very reason. Now, it is entirely possible that the show is discussing some different type of energy, but since they don't identify it, I can't comment on it. We do get a nice explanation of how the quartz encoding works, but it is unfortunately followed up by one of the commentators comparing such work to the building of a pyramid. The show picks up in Guatemala in June of 2019 with a discussion of the potential magnetic properties of the megaliths found there. These sculptures were produced by the Monte Alto civilization, who inhabited the area between the 5th and 1st centuries BCE. That the statues contain magnetized elements is not in dispute. A genuine scientific study is cited, including an uncredited image of a headline from the Smithsonian. There's a link to that in our show notes. So when David Childress stated that ancient people having knowledge of magnetic properties of some stones shocked archaeologists, he's just wrong. Our supposed geologist returns to explain that the ancient people must have had access to more advanced technology because they could not have produced these sculptures with flint tools, which are softer than the basalt which makes up the megaliths. Again, he's not wrong. Flint certainly would not be a useful tool for carving stone, but there were other tools available to the ancients, such as quartz, there it is again, granite, and even other pieces of basalt. One of the ancient alien theorists says they use basalt specifically because it is, quote, very crystalline. This is an utterly meaningless statement, as all stone has a crystalline structure of some type, even if it is not visible to the naked eye. The voiceover then explains that people were directed to create these statues and structures by aliens who wished to use them to store data. This is justified by the idea that because we, in the modern day, use data storage devices, others must have done so in the past. By that logic, one could argue that humans have always had cell phones, or plastic, or lawn mowers, or any number of other things that exist now. The focus then shifts to the Mayan civilization and their statuary, particularly around the city of Copan. Giorgio Zucalos traveled there in October of 2019, so that archaeologist David Sadat could show him the tunnels beneath the city and the statuary that depicts their sky gods. As often with ancient aliens, the viewer is treated to an interpretation of what is obviously a headdress to be a spacesuit's helmet and connection with loosely similar images in Sumerian artwork. Zucalos invokes the misunderstood technology explanation, as he generally does. Interestingly, however, he goes out of his way to say that the people of this place and time were intelligent, but that they did not have the needed frames of reference to understand what they were seeing. He invokes Arthur C. Clarke's rule, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. This seems to me to be an attempt to counter the critics of the ancient alien theory who say that it is Orientalist, making non-Western and non-white cultures appear less intelligent. Sadat then shows Zucalo's other statuary, on which he claims the inscription is indicative of time travel, because it says that a particular ruler witnessed events 4,000 years earlier and 2 million years into the future. This is likely another instance of taking things literally, which are intended to be metaphorical. The next subject is how some statuary is damaged and or buried, with the idea that people did so in order to, according to David Childress, disempower the statues. Commentator Jim Vieira says that the intentional disfigurement of statuary was done with the idea of removing power from the statues. While he is explaining this, the viewer is shown images of damaged Egyptian artwork. One does not need to invoke the ancient alien theory to explain this, in particular for the Egyptians, who believed that they only existed in the afterlife as long as they were remembered on Earth. Vandalism of images of former pharaohs was often used as a means to assert power, especially by those pharaohs who were not as successful as their predecessors. From there, Childress says that we consistently see ancient sites built atop even older sites, a fact which he attributes to their positions along ley lines that encircle the earth. 
Mr. Childress is thinking way too hard here. People tend to build in the same places because those places have easy access to rivers for water and travel, or because the new society conquered the old one, and building over their settlement is a way to indicate dominance. A short explanation of ley lines follows, which I've discussed in other blogs, but the short version is that they are a grid of lines of power on which ancient temples and megaliths were built. The main problem with this is that they were discovered in the 1970s, and so drawn to match the locations of the sites, not the other way around. The last section of the show discusses the Magnetospheric Multiscale Spacecraft, a collection of four NASA satellites which orbit the Earth studying the areas where the magnetic field of the Earth intersects with that of the Sun. While this is an interesting and useful thing to research, the ancient alien theorist thinks it is a means to open portals through which one can travel vast distances around the Earth and to other planets. William Henry even goes so far as to claim that the megaliths are placed in locations where such portals can be activated, and Childress suggests that as we find and resituate these megaliths, we may be recreating the system that allowed aliens to travel to Earth. The viewer can't be sure if he thinks this is a good or a bad thing. Overall, this episode presented some strange ideas for a series known for its strange ideas. If you like what you've heard, don't forget to subscribe and never miss an episode of Ancient Aliens is Bullshit. The RSS link is in the show notes, just add it to your favorite podcast application. You can read the posts and see images of what I'm referencing by going to patreon.com slash historywiththezilagis, that's S-Z-I-L-A-G-Y-I-S. And while you're there, if you're so inclined, please become a patron of our work. For $5 a month, you'll get access to our patrons-only content, which includes opinions on the back catalog of Ancient Aliens, as well as commentary on other elements of history and history and popular culture. You can follow me on Twitter at I underscore historian, and on Facebook by liking the page History with the Zalogis. And last but not least, you can find me talking Star Trek on the Trek FM podcast network, where I'm one of the hosts of The Line, our show devoted to Star Trek Picard. Thanks for listening. <laughs>